You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode two. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation issues from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. In this episode, we'll be hearing clips from a series of interviews about the effects of noise pollution on wildlife. Jesse Barber, Chris McClure, and Heidi Ware designed a unique study that allowed them to determine the effect of road noise on migrating songbird populations. Although many researchers have suspected that road noise has a negative effect on birds, this was actually the very first study to experimentally test the effect of road noise on birds. They were able to do this by setting up what they call a phantom road, basically a series of loudspeakers set up uh, in a remote section of forest. This allowed them to isolate the noise variable, which is the first time that anyone has ever designed just such an experiment. Um, and the results that they got are, I think, fascinating, and uh, they've certainly created quite a splash within the scientific community. So let's get to those interviews. In general, I'm interested in how the world's put together, natural mechanisms, how animals make a living, and sort of from that basic perspective, noise is really interesting because it, it's, a, it's an acoustic razor. You can go in and, and sever connections that have kept natural systems locked together by preventing animals from hearing, which I think really just highlights the importance of sound for a fully functioning ecosystem. Reading the road ecology literature, which is a, a massive literature that... that has sprung up on every continent besides Antarctica in the world where people have watched the world get busier. So and uh, I think some sort of interesting example statistics are that in the United States, while the population has gone up about one-third in the last 30 years, the number of miles we drive and the number of miles we fly have tripled. So transportation is just this... this burgeoning footprint on the landscape. And the road ecology literature is really clear that this has a negative impact on animals. Bird populations decline within about a kilometer of a road. Many mammals decline within about five kilometers of a road. And, and the literature has constantly referred to all of the potential stimuli that could be causing this, with noise being implicated repeatedly, but no clear design that, that singled it out. So that's really what we were aiming to do with this study, is to test road noise by itself. My name is Jesse Barber, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at Boise State. And I'm the, the principal investigator of the project. Well, I'm Heidi Ware. I'm a grad student here in Jesse Barber's lab. Um, and I'm the grad student who's sort of taking on the missetting aspect of the Phantom Road project. Uh, looking at what's happening to the birds that are staying in the road noise and seeing if there's any impacts and seeing if the noise is affecting them at all. My name's Chris McClure. Uh, I'm a postdoc here on the project. Um, my job is basically to run the, uh, keep the road running, keep all the batteries charged, um, keep the, uh, 
the ARUs running our recording units, uh, make sure the point counts get done, things like that. So 83% of the continental United States is within a kilometer of a road. And studies have shown that bird populations decline within one kilometer of a road. So that's 83% of the U.S. that has a bird population that's lower than it should be. And no one knows why. Everyone, uh, all of the studies, of course, have suggested road noise. Not all of them, but many have. But the problem is, roads are really busy places by nature. Uh, so you don't know if birds are avoiding that site because of noise or because of air pollution or just because they're getting creamed by cars. So, yeah, again, this is the first study that actually took the noise and said, what's the effect of just road noise? How would you explain this to someone with no science background? How would you convince them that this is an important area of study? Why study noise as a uh a stimulus by itself, as opposed to, let's say, you're worried about roads in general. And I, I think the, the main reason is that if we understand the independent contributions of noise to effects like, like road effects, then perhaps we can have the same human footprint, but have less of an impact on wildlife. So we can allow the economy to continue unchecked, but perhaps save more habitat for wildlife. So, and I think that's something that experimental science has to contribute to conservation, is the ability to mechanistically understand how the, the disturbance is impacting animals and ecosystems. And, and then we can hopefully individually modulate those stimuli. So for instance, we could make roads that produced less noise. We wanted a place that was near Idaho Bird Observatory because we wanted to be able to use their data as a control, as you know, a noiseless uh, or acquired or control site. So we wanted a place uh, that was near Idaho Bird Observatory so that we could actually, so the data would be comparable. And so we just started looking around near there and we, we found a ridge coming off of Lucky Peak, which is where IBO is. And um, the trick was getting far enough away from the Idaho Bird Observatory's field station so that our noise wasn't ruining their data. So the Idaho Bird Observatory, they started work um, up on Lucky Peak in about 1993. Um, and pretty soon after they started work with the hawks up there, they realized that it was a really important place for songbirds. So they saw really high songbird densities at this site. And so Jay Carlisle, their research director for his PhD, actually investigated uh, that more in depth and found that the cherry mosaic mixed with the dug fir is really important um, for birds. So a lot of times edge habitats like that will have sort of really high productivity and so it's able to support a really wide variety of species and a really high number of birds at this site. It's also unique because it's right on the edge of the Snake River Plain and so birds on their migration route will stop at Lucky Peak as sort of the last rest stop before they have to make this long journey over the desert. So it's, it's on a ridgeline. And on the, this ridgeline is actually pretty weird because if you're walking downhill along the ridge, to your left will be this giant Douglas fir forest. It's beautiful. And then you look to your right, and there's about 30, 40 meters of mountain cherry and then sagebrush. So it's a pretty neat ecosystem to start with. And what we did 
was we ran speakers, basically bullhorns, through the Douglas Fir Forest, right at the crest of the ridge, so that it's playing, uh, we had one speaker going off into the cherries and another playing down into the forest. So every 20 or 30 meters you come to a, a Douglas Fir tree that has two bullhorns strapped to it and then a hose with wires in it coming down to just a box that you might, that we got at Target that's, you know, for keeping shoes or Legos in or something. And in that box, we have our amplifier and our batteries and our MP3 players. And so every 20 or 30 meters for about half a kilometer, you will come across one of these crazy-looking trees. Um, I'm sure some of the hikers and hunters that stumbled across it were pretty confused. So by applying road noise to this place that has no other differences, we're able to show that, yes, this is the road noise that's causing this. And the great thing about road noise is it's something you can change about the road. So you can change what the road is made out of, you can change the amount of traffic on the road, or the speed of those cars moving on the road. Our whole goal is to make a road that is an illusion that, through sound. So from a distance, when you can't see it, I've, often, I've had people up there that are, are convinced they hear a road in the distance. And they do, it's just there are no cars, so it's a phantom. It's also, it makes you nervous because it feels like you're right next to a highway. And when you're next to a highway, it's a pretty looming presence, right? You're always, you don't want to get too close because, you know, you're always taught to look both ways before you cross the street. So you're always aware of roads when they're nearby, even though you don't realize that you're, you've always got an eye on it. Mm -hmm. And with this, this phantom road, you can't keep an eye on it. So it's... It's weird. It's like this ominous presence that you can't ever find. How disruptive did that end up being? You know, or how loud did it seem once you got out there? I guess I would say the road noise was pretty loud when you were standing by the speakers. It was about 100 decibels there. Um, but if you think about it, if you've ever been on the side of a you know, five-lane highway, that's about how loud it is. It's about 100 decibels. So it's not where you need to plug your ears, but it's definitely obnoxious and... You sort of have to yell if you want to hear anybody. Um, but as you get further away, it's not very loud. And that's something I think is interesting, um, is that we're finding impacts on these birds when the road noise is really not super loud. So it's more of an aspect of what, is, what the sound is covering up versus just being so loud that it's bothering the birds inherently. So we found that when we turned the road on, there was, on average, a 28% drop in bird abundance. That's just all birds, all species, at our experimental sites along the road. Um, and that four of the species actually left uh, at least one of our survey sites along the road completely during the noise-on periods. But they were there during the noise-off periods. And the control sites up near Lucky Peak didn't show any of those patterns. So it's a pretty striking effect that just by flipping a switch and turning on road noise, we can substantially deplete the bird community by 28% total abundance, and four species completely leave. And that's just with the noise. You know, what else is our collisions and uh, 
you know, habitat fragmentation doing to our bird community? Yeah, so we've, we just got the first paper accepted for publication that, that showed a significant distributional change between noise and quiet. We have several other um, components going on. That paper was focused on birds. We also have arrays of bat detectors and camera traps that were placed in a control site and at the Phantom Road site. And that data we're currently analyzing. In addition, Heidi's working on her master's project, which involves looking at body condition in the birds between quiet and loud. So that those those projects are all ongoing. Mm -hmm. But the main finding of a greater than 25% decline in abundance of songbirds when the road is turned on versus turned off um, is the, the paper that we just got accepted. Well, the next step is um, definitely going to be Heidi's uh, mist netting data. Um, so the first, the first year results from the point counts showed that some birds leave. But what happens to the birds that stay? Yeah, so I first started working at the Idaho Bird Observatory in 2008 and learned a lot about banding songbirds and sort of the long-term monitoring aspect of banding. And so when I came onto this project, um, I really was thinking about learning some new skills but realized that actually banding is a great way to investigate the impacts of noise on birds. Because when you have them in the hand, you can see things that you can't see in the field. Yeah, so the main thing that we're looking for with the banding data is their body condition. So like I mentioned, fat is really important to migrating birds and they need to have that fat to fuel migration. And so what we're interested in is whether the noise impacts a bird's ability to put on fat. So in the field we're testing this, we're looking at their mass gain throughout the day and seeing if they're able to put on fat or if they're losing weight during the day because of the road noise. Um, and then a second part of that is in the lab we took some birds during the winter and we watched them forage for food when there was road noise and when there was no road noise. And so we want to see if, in fact, they are losing weight. Are they losing weight because they're nervous, because they're scared, or is it because this noise is impacting their ability to feed at the same rate that they normally would? Uh, and that's sort of the current idea that we're going with is we're testing whether the increase in road noise decreases their ability to eat quickly. Um, and I guess the explanation for that, if you think about it, most of the time birds are looking for predators and listening for predators. If you take away their ability to listen for predators, they're going to have to increase how much they're looking around. And if you're a bird that's eating seeds off of the ground, but you also need to look up in the sky for predators, you can't do both at the same time. So it's this trade-off between safety and eating. What's the big picture here now that we know how significant the impacts of just noise are? There's a lot of research that noise affects people and their health and their mental state, but not much is done about it. Um, there's definitely more done for people and people have been writing off wildlife just saying, oh, they'll get used to it. You know, I've got birds nesting in my yard. My yard's loud. Who cares? But, well, now we know that there are effects. Well, a quieter world, I guess, is, of course, the end goal. But in the meantime, just a, at least an acknowledgement that noise is a problem. I think, I think that we... I 
I think it's really easy to forget about noise and get really complacent about it, especially like if you live in a city, it's always around you and it starts to not be noise anymore, it's just what you ex experience, it's what you're used to. What are some of the management implications of this, these results that you guys have found? So this study, as I said, was funded by the National Park Service and I think that that is a place where it, where it could be applied because they have the management authority over some vast tracts of land and they have a mandate to preserve them for future generations. So things like lowering speed limits, not allowing certain vehicles into parks that exceed noise limits like aftermarket modified Harley-Davidson's or other motorcycles, um, using overpasses creatively to block the, the noise from spreading across large pieces of habitat, noise walls around um, pull-offs that might both shelter wildlife and human visitors from being exposed to that road noise. So I think there's a lot of things that can be done in parks where, where the mandate is clear. It's in these other lands like national forest and um, private land where arguably the majority of wildlife habitat in this country exists are going to be more complicated. So I think this research will be most important for places like a national park, places that have good quality habitat but also have traffic noise. In the middle of a city where there's no habitat to degrade in the first place, it doesn't really matter if there's road noise, there's not going to be birds there. But if you have otherwise pristine habitat and you're ruining it with road noise, that's something that we really need to pay attention to. And I think national parks is the key area to focus at first because they have that ability to sort of enforce rules about speed limits or traffic uh, numbers. One of the hardest things about being a conservation biologist in academia doing scientific research projects aimed at management is that this, the, the pace and scale of management often don't match up with data. So many decisions are made not necessarily based on science. So I, I think at some level it's a, it's a bit naive to think that science by itself can, can structure policy. That said, I do think that, that there are some really important implications for this work. And maybe the, the, the strongest and, and the one where it could have the most impact in management is that we shouldn't be building new roads in places that are designed to preserve wildlife habitat. That roads are not a negligible impact. That they do degrade the quality of habitat. And that is something that, that managers should decide is an acceptable loss when they build a road. My ideal goal would be for people when they're planning a new road or when they're managing how traffic works to think about birds when they're doing so. I think right now we're mostly focused, if we pay attention to noise pollution, we're mostly focused on the human aspects. But there's a lot of areas of the country that where there's road noise that's not going to impact people, but it might impact the animals that live there. Um, and I think as we move into the future of electric cars and hybrid cars, I think this is something for us to really think about how can we change the way these cars work uh, to limit road noise and help uh, wildlife. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that's well timed actually. It's right, right, right in the midst of our little break here. <laughs> just an example. I was just trying to demonstrate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was our conversation with Jesse Barber, Chris McClure, and Heidi Ware. How fitting that it ended with a little bit of noise pollution there in the recording studio. <laughs> so lots of fascinating information there, and it's important to note that the results that they were sharing in those interviews are all just from the first paper on the distributional changes in songbirds. Their second paper, uh, which is currently still in review, will focus on the body condition of the songbirds that remain in the Phantom Road study area with the noise on, uh, with the hypothesis there being that road noise could potentially be impacting uh, a bird's ability to effectively forage. So that paper will hopefully be published very soon. And I think we're going to try to get Heidi back here in the studio to do a follow-up interview once that uh, second study is published. Now, this episode of the podcast is accompanied by a short video that we shot with Jesse, Chris, and Heidi. So if you enjoyed this interview, be sure to download the video as well. Um, this will allow you to see the study site, get a sense of how uh, sort of strange and bizarre it is to be out in the middle of this remote forest and yet be surrounded by road noise coming from these huge loudspeakers strapped up to these uh, uh, trees out there. And of course, we'll have links to the original study as well as photos from the study site up on the show notes, which you can find at wildlensinc.org slash blog slash EOC2. That's wildlensinc.org slash blog slash EOC2. Our next episode of the podcast will feature an interview with Lauren Meads, who is a biologist working to reintroduce burrowing owls to British Columbia, where they were extirpated in 1980. Uh, this promises to be another interesting conversation, and it's another one that we will have uh, a, a video component linked to it. Uh, so be sure to tune in. And until next time, this is your host, Matt Podolsky, signing off. <laughs>